there's not like one way to do food. We can't food our way out of a health crisis, but we can nourish our body. Nutrition is about growth, metabolism, and repair. It's not about ketogenic diets or intermittent fasting. (laughs) Those may not be appropriate for that individual at that moment in time. And I call that theory versus practice or heal versus ideal. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 498 with guest Andrea Nakayama. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Uh, And welcome to the first episode of 2023. Happy New Year. I hope your new year is filled with so much good health and so much joy and everything you always wanted. That is my wish for you. And we are kind of, I think we're rounding out the women's health theme right now. I am enjoying this so much. I hope you've learned a lot. Every time I have one of these experts on, I end up learning something new. And today's guest is absolutely no exception. But before I tell you about our guest, we are at the tail end of the celebration, if you will, the the re-release of How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. As you may have heard, (laughs) it's been revised and updated. And the previous cover of how to stop feeling like shit was white. This new one is yellow. I've been getting a lot of DMs on social media about the new edition. How do I find it? When I log into Amazon to buy it, I still see the the original version, the white cover copy. So if you purchase your books on Amazon or really anywhere or Audible, I know that on Amazon, whether you're on a mobile device or on a desktop, when you type in, you know, Andrea Owen, how to stop feeling like shit, and you find it, you have to scroll down a little bit because the first option that comes up is probably the white cover, which is the original cover. There's nothing we can do about it. I've gone back and forth with a publisher. Jeff Bezos is in charge, I guess. And this is how it works. So you have to scroll down a little bit and look for the yellow cover. It's kind of small. It's easy to miss. And it'll say revised edition or updated version or something like that. And then you click on that and then there you go. And I believe it's the same on Amazon and Audible. And, you know, obviously if you're in a bookstore, look for the yellow cover. Also this coming Friday on January 6th, I'm doing a live drawing on Instagram and I believe it's at, is it at one o'clock Eastern time? Let me, let me check while I'm, while I'm checking for that. If you go over to andreaowen.com slash HTSFLS, is it at one o'clock? Yes, it's at one o'clock. One o'clock Eastern time. I'm going to be live on Instagram. It would be awesome if you could be there. And if you head on over to andreaowen.com slash HTSFLS, that is where the page is, where all the bonuses are. And they're still available. You can get a personalized signed book plate, which is basically a sticker that says how to sound something like shit. It's really cute. 
and I will snail mail it to you. There are limited quantities of that, so make sure you get on that soon. There's a free workbook for you to download that coincides with the book. There's a private podcast series that I did. It's four episodes long, and it it touches on the revised version of the book, but also I talk about the things I've learned over the last many years that How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, since it's come out and people have asked me certain questions, you know, these kind of FAQs that I get. I talk about the most popular chapters that I get asked about, the most common habits. You know, there are 15 of them, 14, sorry, 14 of them in the book. There's 15 chapters because I talk about values. I got confused there for a second. But that podcast series will help you just get more out of the book. Even if you aren't going to get the revised edition and you have the, the old edition, I recommend going over there and, and grabbing the bonuses because it'll be helpful to you. And I'm also doing a drawing for, that's the one that's coming up. I'm giving away a free session with me, a private session with me. I'm giving away um, my favorite candles. We're giving away workbooks. We're giving away signed editions of my other books. And yeah, I think that's it. I'm forgetting something. I feel like there's one more thing that I'm forgetting. At any rate, it's all over there, andreaowen.com slash HTSFLS. And that's it about that. Let me tell you about today's guest. I to, t- to, to tell you I ran to her website after I was done interviewing her is an understatement. I was like, how do I, how do I get more information about the work that she does? So incredibly helpful. For those of you that, that don't know her, let me, let me tell you a little bit about Andrea Nakayama. As the host of the 15-Minute Matrix podcast and the founder of Functional Nutrition Alliance, Andrea is leading thousands of students and practitioners around the globe in a revolution to offer better solutions to the growing chronic illness epidemic. By highlighting the importance of systems biology, root cause methodology, and therapeutic partnerships, she helps historically underserved individuals reclaim ownership of their health. And so without further ado, here is Andrea. Andrea, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be in discussion with you. Did I pronounce it right? You did. Okay. I always tell people it's like mitochondria, but that's a little oh. inside baseball. <laughs> well, at the last second, I was like, wait, did I just make up that it's that way? <laughs> we had the Andrea Andrea thing. We did. We had the we had the conversation. All right. So I am really excited to have this this talk with you because I've had, you know, we're on the women's health theme right now, and I've had a handful of doctors come on who were functional medicine doctors, but I I like hearing from different doctors, not necessarily, I don't think that I've had any, any of them that have different opinions, but just coming from different backgrounds and like what your specialties are, I think can be really fascinating and helpful for the audience. So I want to start with, I'm going to kind of jump (laughs) to the deep end, which I I tend to do (laughs) because you're vocal about educating people about what you call, and I don't know if this is like a term that's widely used, but you call it medical gaslighting. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us what that looks like and maybe like an example of what you see commonly happening? Yeah. I mean, medical gaslighting is very common in different forms, depending on where we're coming from. So historically, definitely underserved populations have been gaslit in really big ways. If we're to Mm -hmm. compare it to trauma, it's like the big T kind of gaslighting. The kind of gaslighting that many of us women experience in healthcare has to do with the dismissal of our symptoms based on some of the, the lack 
of knowledge of our caretakers or our system at this hmm. state of the game. So for instance, I'll give you some examples. When I was starting to realize something was going wrong with my body, and this was, I was a young mother, I had already lost my husband to a brain tumor. So I'd been through a tremendous amount of stress while I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I went to a provider, something's not right in my body. I'm starting to feel thicker than what is comfortable. I'm having these bouts of fatigue. And she made the assumption that I had a dream fatigue because that was the diagnosis du jour. I was just going to say, was it the diagnosis topic (laughs) du jour at the time? Yeah, exactly. So of course, because of my life experience, which she had the care to listen to, she then made an assumption and everything goes through the lens of that person's bias at that time. Mm -hmm. So she didn't do the digging to uncover that I actually had Hashimoto's, that I had a thyroid issue. It took me years to get there. So that's the kind of thing that's very subtle, but the recommendations and the interventions she gave me felt really bad. Mm -hmm. And then I was told, you got to work through that, right? So that's gaslighting. That's not making room for me in the therapeutic partnership that should be at the foundation of all of our healthcare relationships. And when you got that diagnosis, I, I mean, when I hear you say it, and I, and I was thinking, if I were you, I would believe her. I because it doesn't seem that far off. Like, of course, you've been stressed. Of course, your adrenals are probably fried. Yes. So that's, I think, the hard part of being advocates for ourselves and mm-hmm. our healthcare is that we do want to rely on our doctors to be the God, not the guide. And mm-hmm. we're handing over a lot of our abilities to take care. And, you know, as a functional medicine nutritionist, I'm steeped in the practices of functional medicine, the foundations of functional medicine. But what I'm seeing is that patients aren't being the partner that we need to be in our healthcare because we're giving too much away. And I'm not saying that we should be experts in physiology and Mm -hmm. hormones. I'm saying we should be experts in ourselves. And that's an opportunity we're missing to question, to say like, how do we know that's right? That intervention, those supplements don't feel right. Is that test really giving us the information we need? Do uh-huh. Is there anything I can do differently? I'm still kind of stuck on this, like, you know, the, the people, women, especially, you know, because that's who listens to my podcast, who might have been in situations where I, I imagine the frustration must be so vast, especially for maybe an example that's not like yours where it's it's not as obvious of like oh yeah that seems like a, a a diagnosis where maybe a woman who lives in a larger body goes because she's struggling to get pregnant and the doctor keeps telling her that the problem is that she needs to lose weight yes i want to step way back where do people start <laughs> who who yeah. are maybe part of that latter example that i gave who it's really frustrating and it's obvious that they're basically being gaslit This is something that I'm really turning my attention to. So I've, at this point, educated 
over 7,000 practitioners in over 68 countries and really worked on creating a new type of practitioner, right? How does Mm -hmm. a functional nutrition counselor help fill the gaps between what the doctor knows and what the patient knows, right? There's a gap there and there's a lot. Diet and lifestyle modification are not just a handout, right? They come with uh, a lot of need to change, but also relationships to the body, relationships to food. Sure. That's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack mm-hmm. for making the kind of changes that are going to support our physiological function. But one of the things I'm realizing is that there's also an opportunity to educate the patient to take care. And I use capitals for that take. Like we got to take it back. It's ours to take, but not to play practitioner. And with all the noise out there Mm on the socials, but what about the misinformation, Andrea? (laughs) (laughs) Right. We self-diagnose, we Mm self-prescribe and in so doing, we're actually shifting our physiological function. We don't realize what we're doing. So what is within our influence as patients. And the more we know that, the more we're able to show up in those appointments and speak up for ourselves. So one of the things we can do, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do. We can track, we can, you know, know our history that got us there. And I, I'm, taking the tools that I've built for practitioners to use and figuring out how we slow down and put those in the hands of the patient. But how do we show up at the start of an appointment and speak up for ourselves? So let's say I'm working with somebody who has anxiety and anytime the doctor says something, they're going to spin off, worry, go home, get on Google, Mm -hmm. think they're going to die. How does she show up and say, I want you to know I struggle with anxiety. When you start to talk about my health, I'm going to likely get triggered and shut down and not be able to be in communication with you. Is there some way I can ask you to hold that with me? Or in the the instance you gave to me, I know that you're going to speak to me about my body size. That's triggering for me. I want you to know how I do take care of myself and where this is important to me and how I'm bringing my knowledge to this appointment with you. How do we show up and advocate for ourselves? And I think we get really small and assume that uh, it's going to happen for us. And then mm-hmm. it feels we're not taking, we're not taking care. And when we leave the appointments that actually feel bad, the first step is to recognize like that didn't work for me. I don't feel like I was held or supported or seen. And how do I go back in or find somebody where I start over? If that's a possibility, it mm-hmm. isn't always and just advocate differently for myself. I, I kind of am pausing and sighing because it feels like just for the sake of transparency, it feels like such a huge hill to climb as a, as a patient. And I mean, I'm sure like as an entire medical industry, that being said, I want to, I don't want to walk away from the conversation without asking you something that we barely, barely touched on before we started recording. And that's around functional medicine and 
I've talked about, well, I've had experts on, I, I haven't, but I've had experts on who are functional medicine doctors and I, you know, just started seeing one and, and I'm excited to like introduce them to my audience and like everyone should, should know about this. So what do you have to say about that? I'm just going to like really open up the conversation in that way. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say, I love the premises of functional medicine. I'm completely in service to the foundations of the modality. Unfortunately, I feel like it's gotten away from the foundations. We are in a culture that wants a quick fix mm -hmm. and we want the, to find the root. There is never one root. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, we've replaced uh, the green pill for the white pill. We've replaced the standard testing with the fancy functional testing. We are being led down this road where we think all of this expensive testing is going to tell us what the issue is. And when that's addressed, we're going to be better. Mm -hmm. There's we're going to have the treatment plan exactly. to be better. Yeah, exactly. There's it's a also expensive. <laughs> exactly. There's, and I was going to say, there's a number of things wrong with that. The premises of functional medicine and functional nutrition are completely accessible. It's not out of anybody's realm of access when we eliminate this idea that you have to do thousands of dollars of testing or pay for concierge services. The premises are about the system's biology, that everything is connected, that your gut's connected to your brain and to your hormones, that we can't address the hormones without addressing the gut that we can't look at anything without thinking about inflammation and where that starts in the gut. When we look at it through the lens, and this is clinically, of systems biology, we start to slow it down, really back it up, and see that there are always what I call three roots, many branches, the candida, the Hashimoto's, the brain fog, the weight loss resistance, the migraines, the infertility, those are branches. Those mm -hmm. aren't roots. And I say there are always three roots and we can get into those. However, yeah, I just now I'm super say. curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause <laughs> selfishly I'm thinking about my own health and I want to know what these three roots are. And yeah, by the way, like before, before you, before you yeah. say anything, I am, I, I I am I believe you because and my audience knows about my health journey that's been going on for a couple of years now physical health I should say mental health is a whole another podcast episode, several of them <laughs> when I was having all these symptoms I'm I was talking to this is back when I was still talking to my regular GP and I said it started when at the onset of the pandemic. And also at the time I was 46 years old. And so there was all these like pretty big variables that were happening mm -hmm. and my husband had left his job. So there was like, there was life stress. There was the pandemic stress. There was my age, you know, I'm probably in perimenopause and things are changing and they may or may not show up on blood tests and et cetera. And she said, she was really honest with me. And she said, sometimes at the end of the day, we just don't know like what mm -hmm. the actual cause is. And it could be many things, or it could be something that we don't even, aren't even thinking about. So she, yes. she and I, I appreciated the, her being candid about it, 
frustrated me to all hell because like I I I wanted a I wanted a cause like I wanted like oh it was this thing it's because you're this age and oh my gosh look at your hormones on this piece of paper like we can we have a pill for that like of course we want that but oh it's it's frustrating totally and you're absolutely I'm nodding my head because it is frustrating but there's also a lot of empowerment in it when we shift our thinking from looking for that quick fix to thinking about our influence, where we have a circle of influence. So mm-hmm. I'll introduce you to this model of thinking and show you where when we as patients embrace a broader terrain, we actually have more influence over our health outcomes. So the three roots are always with any chronic health condition. So this is where you're sick and not getting better. It's a minor thing, like why am I always bloated? Or it's a major thing like Hashimoto's or another autoimmune condition, like long haul COVID, like Mm -hmm. something that just isn't getting better. So the three roots are always the genes, digestion, and inflammation. And I didn't say they're MTHFR, candida, and, you know, uh, some kind of infection that H. Those pylori. Be, would those be right? the branches? Are those <laughs> those like, are branches. Those exactly. Are branches. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if we envision a tree, any sign, symptom, or diagnosis that we have is a branch on that tree. And if we try to cut the branch off or pluck the leaves off, we're going to see symptoms arise elsewhere. And these protocols and pills that just address the branch are not really getting to the roots. Mm -hmm. If we go deeper and we say the genes, digestion, and inflammation are the roots, then you say, well, what do we do about that? Well, each of those roots has a circle, what I call a circle of influence. And that's the soil or terrain that nourishes that root. And that language, a circle of influence comes from Stephen Covey and his, you know, habits of the most successful people. I was just people. talking about him on another podcast episode this morning. I was recording. <laughs> there you go. He's coming up for a reason. And, you know, we think about if we try to control, we're going to be anxious. So if you think mm-hmm. about three orbits, the center orbit is where we try to control. And then the middle orbit is our circle of influence. And the outer orbit is the panic. I just have no idea what to do. So when we sit in our circle of influence, that's when we actually have not control, but we have influence. So the factors that influence our genes in science, that's called the epigenetics, right? Mm -hmm. They turn the genes on or off. They turn them up or down. We have influence. We can't change our genes. We're not CRISPR, but we can influence the expression of our genes. And we do that with food, Mm -hmm. movement, environment, and mindset. Now, those are really vast areas that are going to look different for each of us. And there's not like one way to do food. We can't food our way out of a health crisis, Mm -hmm. but we can nourish our body. Nutrition is about growth, metabolism, and repair. It's not about ketogenic diets or intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those may not be appropriate 
for that individual at that moment in time. And I call that theory versus practice or heal versus ideal. So with food, you know, we can do simple things like, am I eating the rainbow of foods that are available to me? There's so much in our plant kingdom, queendom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that allows for us to nourish the body. Am I eating fat, fiber, and protein at every meal? These are big concepts that take time for people to step into. But when we find ways of thinking like that versus diets, we can ditch the whole notion of anti-diet culture and Mm -hmm. body positivity in terms of, oh, I'm taking care of myself with how I nourish myself as opposed to you know, fighting against some set of parameters that is a diet just like any other diet that my generation of moms did with Weight Watchers. Yeah. So you're saying it all comes down to diet and exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and the digestive function, right? So and yeah. This, so if we look at the circle of influence around genes, food, movement, environment, mindset, you can visualize this like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Digestion. We can't talk about nutrition without talking about digestion. Yeah. Because. We could be eating the best diet ever, but it has to get into our cells to do its job. And if there are issues in the digestive system, then we are going to have issues with our uh-huh. food. And you know what I found out? You know what I found out makes me super bloated and gassy? Raw vegetables. Mm-hmm. Cooked ones are fine. Yeah. Cooked ones are great. It took me a long time to realize that. And that's uh, the reason I cut you off to say that is because I'm sure that's an example of, of if you just take it at face value of like, just eat your veggies. I don't know if it long-term could cause harm, but it sh- I sure as shit don't want to be around somebody after I've eaten like a big, it's mostly the the leaves. Yeah. And that becomes a non-negotiable for you in this moment, Andrea. Like, you know, right now I can't eat those leaves. So I have this joke, my boyfriend cooked exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. There you go. And so you eat them. When my, when I met my boyfriend, he couldn't eat a lot of foods. He ate a very limited diet and he would just say, yeah, I just eat uh, simple. Like at first he was just talking about how simply he eats and he's very committed to his body and working out and he ate super simply. And slowly he was like, I can't eat that. And I was like, oh, and I would eat a big bowl of broccoli cooked. Mm -hmm. And he would say, if I could eat that, if you could get me to eat that, you're a queen. So, you know, Four years later, he's like, she fixed me because we worked on his digestive healing. And the circle of influence for digestion is the mechanical, the chemical, the structural, and the microbial. So we might not be able to do all that alone, but we can certainly bring more attention to our chewing, which helps with all of it. There are things that help our microbiome like sleep and exercise and what we eat and our stress levels that aren't just about taking probiotics. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a reframe for sure. And I'm working with a case study group now for my book that's really bringing this all into practice 
And I think the biggest challenge, Andrea, is it's not sexy to think like this because we want to believe that there is a cure-all. Like you were saying, we want to believe that one thing is going to fix it. And this is the slow it down to speed it up method of getting there. If you like to consume podcasts, which I'm assuming that you do because you're here, if you do, I think you would love audiobooks if you have not found them already. Audible has a free trial. You can try it for 30 days for $0, and then you can get two free audiobooks with Premium Plus. All three of my books are over there on Audible, 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, and Make Some Noise, plus most of the books I recommend here on this show and my guests' books are over there as well. After 30 days, you get one audiobook a month for $14.95 a month, and you receive 30% off the price of additional audiobook purchases, and you can cancel at any time. Easy peasy. Your books are yours to keep even if you cancel. Go to andreaowen.com slash audible to sign up for your free trial. That's andreaowen.com slash audible. The reason for my big sigh was I was thinking like, <laughs> oh, this is this is way easier. Mm-hmm. This is a lot simpler yes. than I think a lot of us have been taught and certainly a lot simpler than you know, big pharma would like us to think and Correct. and and all of these things. You know, it, what it reminds me of a little bit is, and on, this is on a very kind of elementary level is an analogy might be like hair care and skincare when someone's like, oh my gosh, what's your skincare routine? Or I get asked a lot, what is your hair routine? Like, how do you, what hair tools do you use to get that volume? And, and I always tell people don't ever take skincare or hair care advice from people who, some, someone who has diff, totally different skin yeah. than you do, or yeah. it's genetics. And people ask me like, how do you get your hair like that? And I'm like, my DNA, like I got really great hair genes, like this volume, I wake up with it. Like the yes. bedhead that me and my children have will blow your mind. It's very unfair. My friend said, you have such great hair privilege, but I feel like it's similar to what you're talking about. Like totally. it's so much of it is genetics. And yeah, I, I mean, and- how, how do we even look at that? Yeah. we And this is another place we get confused. Like we think we need to know our genes to heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think about genetic information that we might get from testing as wallpaper. As a clinician, I think about it like that. Like, okay, you have those genes. There are certain genes that can impact our health outcomes fewer than we thought when the human genome project came Mm -hmm. along. Like they thought it was going to solve everything. It's actually very few genes that impact health outcomes. And just because we have them doesn't mean they're turned on or off or up or down. Mm -hmm. And there's something called polygenomics, which is how they all work together Mm. that few practitioners are trained to understand and even recognize, oh, you've got that one, but you know what? This one cancels that one out. And so we don't want to think about our genes as prescriptions or as diagnoses. Mm -hmm. We want to think about, like you're saying, those epigenetic factors. And to your point, Andrea, about the, the beautiful bedhead, my mantra for everything is everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. So 
everything is connected is that recognition of what's going on in the body. We are all unique really honors our story and what brought us here. And I'm really into the narrative that got us to this point in time. Your story, Andrea, and the the traumas that you went through in realizing and finding yourself are a part of what leads you to this point in time where you're seeking resolution. And I want to honor that as a practitioner. And I want you to honor that when you're showing up as a patient and mm-hmm. not ignore that for the symptoms you're experiencing because of your Hashimoto's, it's actually all connected and all a part of who you are. In fact, that story happens before you were born. And that's the truth of epigenetics. We know that children who were in utero during times of famine have different health outcomes Mm -hmm. than those who were not. And so this is how we really embrace like, I like, this is a little cheesy, but I like to think of it as like, oh, me, instead of why me, right? We're always like, why is this happening to me? And in fact, it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. And I have more compassion for it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not broken. I'm actually somebody who's on a journey with everything I've been dealt with and have experienced in my lifetime. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I love this conversation and I, I was curious about so many different things. And I don't think it's a coincidence that my Hashimoto, what turned out to be Hashimoto's, I didn't know it for about 18 months. Those symptoms really kicked up around the onset, like a couple months after the pandemic started. Yeah. And from what I understand, a lot of people, especially who have autoimmune disorders, don't see symptoms until something stressful happens in their life. And they kind of quote unquote, call it a trigger. And I'm curious what your thought, is that kind of what you were getting at? Yeah, we definitely. So in functional medicine, we have what we call the ATMs. And this is the story part of the journey. And the ATMs stand for the antecedents, the triggers, like you mentioned, and the mediators. So the antecedents are all those genetic factors that we might have. And I don't mean the genes. I mean, like, what'd your mom have? What'd your dad have? Uh What were the situation? What was the situation you were born in? Were you born vaginally or by C-section? What order are you in your family? Like all those things are just of interest and they actually impact our health. The triggers, like you said, are the stress of the pandemic, your husband stepping back from his job, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the relational traumas you went through and the stress that caused internally. For me, certainly pregnancy is a trigger for all of us with mm-hmm. autoimmunity because there's so much change. And while I was pregnant, my husband was diagnosed with a yeah. brain tumor, right? Mm-hmm. So put stress on top of physiological stress. And for me, the genes, set the stage, there were already likely microbial or digestive issues happening, even if I didn't feel them, most of us have them. And then that trigger was all my body needed 
the stage was set mm-hmm. to turn on itself, which is what autoimmunity is, and start attacking my own cells, in my case, like yours, in my thyroid tissue, mm-hmm. right? So yes, triggers can be many things. They can be the traumas we've experienced, met certainly the traumas we've experienced through the last several years. They can be food poisoning. They can be a round of antibiotics. They can be mm-hmm. dental you know, interventions, they can be anything. It's kind of that before after time when we think about, oh, nothing was the same after X. We then can note that down as a trigger. And the mediators are that circle of influence. What I love about the mediators and the reason I want to take us there is because the mediators are the things that we actually have in our back pocket. It's like, I know this makes me feel better. I know this makes me feel worse. So for you, Andrea, a mediator is negative on the kale. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even romaine lettuce is is suspect. (laughs) Exactly. That's a mediator. That's a negative mediator. And then Mm -hmm. you have positive mediators that you likely know, like, you know what? I feel better when, for me, those are my non-negotiables, when I go to sleep by 10 p.m. Right. When mm-hmm. I do, you know, when I do my, my morning body. routine, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like all those things become our mediators. And okay. we likely know more than we think. Mm-hmm. And when we anchor on those and embrace them and live by those rules, we're not listening to the theories on social media that you should eat raw kale, that you should put it in your smoothie, right? You know, right. like, yeah, no, not for me. I tried that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I always try to think like, what are my listeners probably wanting me to ask? And I, I feel like there's at least some people out there who are thinking, who are seeing themselves in a lot of what you're saying and are super curious about the, you know, the work that you do. Now that I've had a, a handful of different functional medicine doctors come on, what should someone look for when they are looking now for a functional medicine doctor? What exactly, because uh, to be honest, what I did, I was like, who's the nearest one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hired because I was so desperate. Yeah. And I think it's helped somewhat. Um, I still think there's a lot more work to do. So what would someone like me or someone listening who's maybe you've never even, who've only seen, you know, the regular doctors, what should they look for in a functional medicine doctor? Yeah. And I'm going to say something that may not be popular, Um First and foremost, I want to say that it doesn't have to be a functional medicine doctor because we, I think, are looking for too much from our doctors. So I think we're looking for them to know everything. People may be angry when they're like, my doctor says that what I eat has nothing to do with my skin cancer or Mm -hmm. my Crohn's disease, right? Doctors get about seven hours of, or 17, seven to 17 hours of nutrition nutrition training in medical school, and they're nearly 70,000 hours of training. So we have to recognize that even if they are a functional medicine doctor, 
and they understand that diet and lifestyle modification matter, they may not know how to personalize it, make it individualized for you and Mm -hmm. help you to make those changes. So I want to be clear about what a doctor can do for us and what a doctor can't do for us. Right. What I see is a lot of people getting frustrated that there isn't a functional medicine doctor in their area or that their doctor won't order the right tests. Or that they don't take insurance at all and they're so expensive and yeah. And that's huge. But even like if we're not finding the functional medicine doctor, there's this idea that if I could only find a functional medicine doctor or afford it, everything would be better. And I just want to dispel that idea because it leaves us in this frustrated, Mm -hmm. sympathetic, dominant, seeking state that... All the answers exist if we could just, it's like looking for the best partner ever. Right? Yes, like yes. We have to recognize mm-hmm. we're not going to get everything from one person. Mm-hmm. And we may love our doctor and that's amazing. But the best relationships with our doctors are when we are doing our piece of the puzzle, which they may not have insight into. Right. So I just want to recognize Sure, we can Google functional medicine doctors in our area. I am always an advocate of having a functional nutrition counselor because I train them to Mm -hmm. help fill those gaps. And I just want to say, like, you don't have to wait to find, you can be, it's kind of like, I'm going to bring it back to the relationship sector. Just if you're not in a relationship, It doesn't mean that you don't love on yourself and buy your sexy underwear and be your best self, right? Like it's about what can I do while I'm in this state of seeking Mm -hmm. to nourish and um, take care, really put my a cradle around myself and not be in this frustrated, I'm not getting the results. And I just want to say this happens for people with autoimmunity a lot And it happens with people who don't have a diagnosis. There's this Mm -hmm. constant seeking. And when we get the diagnosis, I, the bad news is that it's not going to actually, it doesn't tell you all the answers when it's a chronic health condition, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And it does come back to what we might think of, of what I'm sharing as the basics But I'm going to say from a functional nutrition perspective, it's actually the simplicity on the other side of complexity. So I'm not just saying, you know what, drink your water. I'm saying drink your water because physiologically, it's actually impacting your red blood cells. That's impacting your fatigue. That's making you anemic, right? It's understanding these simple things actually make a huge difference, even if we don't understand those implications. Even if we don't really see the impact right away. Mm -hmm. That's the part that's hard for me to get on board with, with like all these healthy habits and stuff. (laughs) And it's like, I can't even remember which, I think it was this, this doctor was, we were talking about Gluten and dairy and sugar and these inflammatory yeah. causing foods. And I said, well, I did a whole 30 back in 2015 and I didn't feel a whole lot different. Like I did it with my husband. And of course, like he lost like 15 pounds. <laughs> I I didn't. I said I was the only change I saw was that I was less bloated. So definitely there's something in there 
that was causing the bloat, but my bloat isn't painful. Like it wasn't that kind of bloat. It was, and so I'm, you know, kind of arguing against like, do I really need to like cut out these things? And she's like, you very well might not feel any different when you are not eating these foods. But she's like, I can almost promise you that in the long run, it's going to affect you. And then this is the thing that was the real kicker, what she said. She said that people who have one autoimmune disorder are more likely to get another one. Correct. Later. And then now I'm seeing, you know, like Selma Blair and Christina Applegate who've been diagnosed with MS. And these women are my age. Yes. They're my age. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Maybe maybe I should get my shit together. And I don't, it's not funny, but it's like. Like when it's like a diet, it feels like deprivation. It doesn't feel like you're taking care and if you don't understand why you're doing it and you don't feel the difference and what I if just If I'm wanna... not seeing a major result when I make a major life change, totally. I feel that. Like I'm like, well, it's hard for me to get on board. And that's where the clinical intervention comes in. So you've done your part, but this comes back to that root of digestion, right? So you're not feeling enough difference. This is where there's something that we need to work on inside. We we have to do the the things that are going to support us and how we take care. And that's going to look different for everybody. And it's not that the body doesn't also need some support to come into its healing potential. So it's a yes. And mm-hmm. yes, we need to make that change, but the diet alone isn't necessarily going to address the internal imbalance, but it's not putting salt in the wound. So that third root inflammation, which is the biggie, the circle of influence there is clear, calm, enhance, and modulate. And we may need to clear those inflammatory foods. We may need Mm -hmm. to clear a food sensitivity. We may need to clear a negative mindset. We may need to clear a microbial infection. We may need to clear an environmental toxin, right? So it's a broader, but like you said, easier way of thinking. and you're calming the system. You're not putting salt in the wound, but we still don't know what the wound is. Yeah. And that's that, that's that nuance there where it's the yes. And you get to be the best patient you can be. Mm-hmm. And then where do you lean in to what's happening in the physiological systems? Okay. So I, I want to ask too, because, you know, I'd asked you the question previously about, you know, what should someone look for in a functional medicine doctor? And, you know, you were like, <laughs> well, actually, let's look. <laughs> so if, if someone's listening, you know, and they're kind of not feeling that great, and maybe they they have some kind of diagnosis, whether it's a, you know, a diabetes or an mm-hmm. autoimmune or, or, or whatever it is, or maybe they're just, you know, middle-aged like, like I am and, and not feeling their best. You know, I'm thinking of a friend right now who's who has had like chronic health issues and it just gotten different diagnosis. And now she's at the point where she's like having her implants taken out. It's like, maybe it's that. Like, you know, when someone feels like they've exhausted so many different avenues in terms of their health with doctors and, and different modalities, but they still aren't feeling great. And their, their ears are kind of perking up as they hear you talk. Like, should they, just go to see a right. I'm I'm trying to give someone um, a doable next step. 
Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, we did talk about like doable next steps in terms of your self-care, but then yes, we might need help. So I'm just going to lead people to my website, andreanakiyama.com. I don't see people, but it does lead back to the company I founded, the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Mm -hmm. There is a clinic that we have, a virtual clinic. So we see uh, clients through the Functional Nutrition Alliance, and there's always a way to reach out to us or just Google functional nutrition counselor. What I'm advocating here is somebody who can help you navigate all of it. So even if the doctor you have access to is, let's say through Kaiser and you don't get to choose, Mm -hmm. you still can have somebody who's helping you to advocate for yourself, ask for the right things, um, know where the limitations are of certain systems. A doctor's never going to run a test that they don't know how to interpret. Exactly. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. <laughs> I had a doctor actually tell me that before. <laughs> I'm always saying that to people because they get so frustrated with people who won't run things. But there's a lot we can do with less information than is we're being told we need to be able to make change. And mm-hmm. so that's what I'm going to say is that maybe we need to think a little bit differently about who or what we're asking for. And a functional nutrition counselor, while likely an out-of-pocket payment, can be somebody who's saving you money by helping you to uh, helping you figure out what you need and when, mm-hmm. and also helping you with the change that you need that is progressive and meeting your needs. Okay. So how would, how would that person differ from say a registered dietitian? Well, registered dietitians work within a system that isn't necessarily honoring that bio-individuality. They're much more what I call the X for the Y. You have diabetes, here's your pill, here's what Mm -hmm. you do, unless that dietitian, and I train many nurses and dietitians, has embraced a functional approach. And so, you know, it's a different system of thinking. Our medical system works in a what's the protocol for the diagnosis. So you and I, Andrea, both Mm -hmm. have Hashimoto's. We require different interventions. Some may be the same, but we require different interventions based on who we are and what's going on internally. Quick example there. Two women can have breast cancer. They can have it in the same breast, in the same location. They can both be 37 years old, the same weight, the same size. And yet they could have that growth for different reasons. One can have elevated inflammatory markers. One can have hormones that are dysregulated. And so the job of a functional practitioner ideally is understanding where's the imbalance in this person and not just treating the diagnosis. And so most of our medical system, unfortunately, looks to treat the diagnosis Mm -hmm. and not look at the the context, yes, in which the diagnosis exists. And sometimes I feel like I'm speaking in tongues when I say this. It it sounds a tiny (laughs) bit at times like that, but mostly mostly English. (laughs) It's like, like I said, it's the simplicity on the other side of complexity. Right. The twos are actually simple, but it's like, oh my God, we had to get through this mud too explain it. Yeah. And I, I hate to say this, but I'll admit it. Like I'm the kind of person who I am 
definitely want to know what's happening physiologically, partly because I'm just fascinated by it. But at the end of the day, just tell me what I should eat. Like, totally. Yeah. It. Yeah. For sure. And I will, that, I'll that throw money at that order. all day long. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. If you know way. what works for you. <laughs> exactly. I know you have like a couple of different websites. And I think if you go to your regular website, it will take you to the fxnutrition.com. And this will all be in the show notes. And is there any specific place that you want to send people directly? Is it to your social media, to your website? Yeah, you can follow me, Andrea Nakayama, in any of the socials and the website, andreanakayama.com will lead you to all the places, including my podcast, which has, if you are interested <laughs> in, the, in the science, it's all there in bite-sized pieces, lots of different topics to explore. I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. I Well, I mean, my people, they love podcasts, so for sure we'll send them over there too. Thank you so much. Is there Before we go, is there anything that you want to circle back to, to make sure that you were clear about, or that maybe we forgot that you feel like is super important in, as it pertains to this conversation? I just want to anchor on those mediators. I call mm-hmm. these the non-negotiables. And there are some that I would say are universal for all of us. If you're not sleeping, you're not pooping and yeah. your blood sugar is dysregulated, it's hard to find the results you're looking for. So that's where we could focus. But there's also non-negotiables that are true for each and every one of us. And I want to just remind everyone to empower yourself with what you know to be your non-negotiables. Anchor there, spend time there. If listening to podcasts and being inspired is a non-negotiable for you, go for it and mm-hmm. really embrace that reality and don't don't let, allow yourself to move away from the things that you know make you feel your best. Awesome. We're going to end it with that. I so appreciate this conversation. It's it's really different than ones we've been having and I appreciate that so much. It's incredibly informative and I have so much more, you know, research and work to do on this, but thank you so much for your time. I've appreciated it so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Such a good conversation. Yeah. It's been honestly my pleasure and everyone listening. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful that you have chosen to spend it with me and Andrea today. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up, you get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.